0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Stop, the official podcast of the Church of St. George, St. (coughs) Martin, Elphaba, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued crisis, and I'm joined as always by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon, Rodney
1: Whiteman. How are you doing? Hi, um, I'm doing well, thank you, although being um, challenged by the amount of funerals one has done. Mm. Um, had one wedding to the, over, over a long after a long period of time, <clears throat> and um, then saw the beautiful snow on the mount on the beautiful mountain ranges, and that sort of brought a new uh, highlight to my life today. Um, other than that, all the family are doing well. I think my mother and my sister they are coming out of the isolation periods now. Awesome, um, <clears throat> and that's been we thank God for that. Um, but yeah, one has been been busy um so if I'm busy then I'm good if I'm not too busy uh naughtiness can creep in. How are you doing Lindsay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good I've also been exceptionally
0: busy. it's like it's like there's something happening in September that all my clients were invited to so they all want sign offs like by this weekend. <laughs> so this week has been it's been crazy but at least there is work and work is good and yeah it keeps the food on the table i saw the snow reports um and then tried to convince monique to for us to go to cirrus yesterday afternoon evening to catch the snows while it was falling um, she said no. We went to sh- we went shopping instead. It is the twelfth Sunday after Pentecost. It is the last Sunday of the month of Compassion and Women's Month. Um, yeah, uh, it was refreshing to have a couple of extra voices on the podcast this month. So we would like to extend the invitation to all of our listeners if you want to if you have something to clear. Off your chest, <laughs> if you want to join us in our discussions, um, please reach out to the Reverend uh, uh, before Thursday, before Close of Business on a Thursday, and we'll share the link and um, all the relevant liturgy materials, and then we can have a lovely discussion. I think it will be cool.
1: Absolutely. Lindsay, just to me correct myself, we in the 14th Sunday. I got it wrong there. It's the 14th Sunday.
0: The 14th Sunday after
1: Pentecost.
0: My apology. No worries. Um, Yes, the Delta wave is still, the fourth wave, the third wave of this pandemic is still quite raging quite badly. Um, Northern Cape numbers refuse to go down. It's off on another little peak now. Uh, The schools are starting to report a lot more incidents, um, or at least Mm -hmm. infections amongst school children. Um, There's been a girl in my daughter's class, my daughter's 10 um, and yeah, it's 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 just crazy. So please, all adults in South Africa are eligible to get the vaccination. Please do your civic duty.
1: absolutely. Uh, um, I just heard a four month year old was also tested in last week. Mm. Um, so I mean, that's that's um, frightening. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't seem to be
0: going too hectic in the parish as far as I know. Um, the last couple of of deaths that I that reached me um, it was um, Uncle Reggie. He passed away, which was quite a it wasn't really a shock. I mean, he's been battling for for a while now.
1: Yes, Uncle Reggie died um, in hospital. They tried draining some of the fluids that was piling up inside his body. His wife got and family got the news yesterday. And so I've been in touch with Lavona and prayed with them and of course um, they're still dealing very much with the shock of mm. his past so yes we ask that God will grant him uh, eternal rest and we thank God for his ministry amongst us.
0: Yeah. Uh, Father if you could please call us together with a collective prayer and then we can dive straight into quite an interesting liturgy
1: um, today. Uh, Lindsay let me uh, just start up by saying um, we sort of the last Sunday focusing on the month of compassion and women's month um, but just because it was a created awareness and try to motivate a form of activism to ensure that we um, honor women and that the abuse that women experience are being is being addressed uh, justly um, and <clears throat> Brenner Bryan writes about compassion, and compassion is seen very much as empathy. Empathy is a connection. It's a ladder out of the shame hole. It's a very challenging statement because how often do we put people into the shame hole and fall into it ourselves? Empathy causes us to have a place to come out on. So thank God for that kind of wisdom and challenge we have. I greet you, my brothers and sisters, this week with this gathering words. The Lord, whose throne is forever, is with you. And then please pray with me um, the words of the collect and the prayer itself. O God of eternal light, your word is truth make us quick to listen and slow to speak that the word implanted in us will take root to nourish all we say and do through jesus christ our lord who lives and reigns with you and the holy spirit one god now and forever amen
0: yes <clears throat> uh, collect and the choice passages from the readings are in the podcast description so if you want to follow along and you want to see which words i have singled out As the Reverend has for the within the collect, um, which comes from James chapter 1, verses 17 to 27, which is our first reading, and it is. Verse 19, which is Remember this, my beloved brethren, everyone should be quick to listen, but slow to speak and slow to anger. For human anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Therefore, rid yourself of everything sordid and every wicked excess, and welcome in all humility the word that is implanted in you and is able to save your souls. So, James is writing here in his capacity as a leader of the Church of Jerusalem, and this is before the council. um, There was quite a few things that was discussed at at the council. So he's he's offering his commentary from from his perspective, um, kind of shaping the form of Christianity uh, going forward under the apostles. Um, He wasn't part of the 12, was he?
1: James, um, (coughs) the apostle, Yes, he was.
0: But the James, the author of of this book, was was it this the same
1: person? It would seem it is, according to some uh, research done. It's also called the Epistle of James the Apostle. And if it was an if he was apostle, then he must have been a disciple, first and disciple of Jesus. Okay. Um, and so James and John, remember James and John? Yes, yes, yes. I do remember. remember, but I, I. I <laughs> Yeah, it, I was this. Isn't, a... isn't the James that the James the Apostle is not James that was the first chairperson of the of the of the the Church Council in Acts? That James is the brother of Jesus, the cousin of Jesus, brother of Jesus, the
0: brother. Oh, my research. Oh, I they must have. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I didn't have a lot of time <laughs> when I was looking over the the reading. Um, so I, yeah, I, I didn't get super deep into it. But yeah, what what came to the fore was his connection to the Church of Jerusalem and then the the council um that that happened there. But be that as it may, I mean, this is this is quite a it's a foundational passage um in Christianity where it, it's like espousing the virtues that we should all aspire to, where I fell short of it today um, because of my frustration with myself um, not reaching like Cirrus and then having to like reroute. And then when we came back, I also didn't follow my gut um, to take a different route that would have put us on the other side of the mountain. Um, and maybe you didn't have to hike so far. Uh, so i I would say that I have a short temper, but I do think that I always try to listen as often as possible to everything someone has to say, so that I can cross-reference it in my mind in real time, to my existing knowledge to see if I have anything of value to say. Um, what's your what's your strategy in conversation? Um, especially when it's with maybe not a friendly
1: acquaintance, someone who is often in opposition with you. you. When you sense a sense of hostility, I think I just want to tap into the listening part first with your own journey this afternoon, where the listening that James is talking about, which is an holistic listening, Um, to both what's going on on the inside of ourselves in response to what our eyes see and what our ear hear and our own inner message like you wanted to go to this place and you obviously had no clue what you would meet along the way so the frustration was basically eventually going to be your own frustration because you then have to be your personal judge I could have left earlier. I could have done this. I could have taken another route, and so on. So um, I think that in order to listen to other people, we really need to listen to what's going on inside of ourselves, and make the necessary responses that we can. How do we alter that if we need to alter it? Now it said here, um, "and welcome, and and welcome in all humility, the word that is implanted in you." Now the words that are in us. Words that have shaped and formed us, that has classified us, that has registered us, that have been spoken to us in judgment, in anger, in intolerance, in love. What what word is James referring to here? Talking to this congregation of people who were now living in the diaspora, outside of the common culture that they would have been privy to and in that, that particular comfort zone. Mm. We have been talking in this to a congregation that is seeking to listen to the word of God through the words that have been recorded as salvation history, as a journey of faith. Um, but at the same time, there's also the inner narratives. Mm. We make up our own stories i'm having to deal with that right now the interpretation that somebody has which is not my own interpretation of how things should be and i'm already sensing conflict as it is and so i wrote to check out am i on the correct path here in thinking the way i'm thinking and if I'm thinking wrong and I'm told by the person who can give me that direction, I'm able to know my place and say, then I must back off if I need to, or I need to make an approach, sit down and work. with so this. already, tension is coming up inside of me because I have to listen to what's going on in my soul, in my spirit, in my mind, in relation to what I've already heard. Mm. And this is even before the, the conversation on the the other thing, <clears throat> and, and I'm teased and I'm teased at the level of my colleagues <laughs> when they say whenever I I um, uh, reference my need to know something, I would say to them, please help me to understand. That's my 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 terminology. Um, so in other words, those words are saying to me, I don't really know. I can't I can't make my own judgments. I don't want to make my own judgments until I've heard what the other person is saying. Mm. So, you know, I like I like the, the the colloquial way of putting it. Break it down for me.
2: Mm.
1: You know, so that so that it gives that person an opportunity to be empowered, to be able to say to me and to put things into perspective so that I can then say, now I've heard. Now I know how to make my response. But when we listen to each other speaking, um, and you and I have been at this now for what, more, more than a year, long mm-hmm. more than a year, where we had to actually listen to the other. And where we had to listen for some long periods of time before, the other, before you could make your response, because we, we have got that mutual respect. Uh, knowing that we, we're probably coming from different points of view, knowing that, and though we're looking at a common narrative to try and understand and the whole area of exploration, um, is how do we actually meet at the point of the common narrative where our own minds have been, have, have got a narrative formed of it in response to what is written in a particular text or whatever it is so i'm very conscious that i try not to although it's very difficult in people's sentences because i think i know what they're talking about so some people would start off and i'm assuming you're going somewhere so i'm giving you the last part of the sentence yeah it's yeah. a very something that is that's rudeness apparently because you're not listening, you think you're listening. So, so slow to speak. In other words, there, there is a part that you don't open your mouth as much as you tempt to. But at the same time, whatever somebody's saying, don't build up such a resistance that you are getting angry. Don't personalize what the person is saying. Yes, the yes. only way to deal with these two things is be quick to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody wrote somewhere that a tr- a, one of the true expressions of love is to offer another human being the gift of listening.
3: Yeah. And that, that needs
1: serious, deep spirituality, because I think our main problem Our main challenge is, do I actually listen to myself? Because that could help me to practice listening to others. And do I actually listen to God?
3: Two of the most difficult areas to practice
1: listening in.
3: I'm not
0: sure. (laughs) My my daughter actually does that a lot. Um, And I... I, I, I see it as a, an immature. Rhetoric where she will try and and just finish up because she thinks that she knows what, the knowledge that is being imparted to her, um, and and we 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 call out on it a lot. Uh, but the other thing, it's it's, it's increasingly, difficult, especially where we are in today. I was. I was talking to my wife about it, where I feel sorry for the kids of today because not only has this pandemic completely upended the life, their routines, the life that they know, um, it's stunted a lot of social development, um, development of social skills uh, because they haven't been able to interact um, on a level that is considered to be normal in society. Um, and like they've had disruptions in their calendars, in their school going, all that sort of stuff, extended time away from family and friends, and all that sort of thing. And then they have to deal with this barrage of like arguments for and against vaccinations, um, different mixed messaging around uh, safety. Covid safety protocols and all the sorts of things, and then like parents have one idea, and the schools have another set of ideas, and it's a it's an absolutely terrible time to be alive, for a child who's still forming their own identity and figuring out like what, trying to mature their argument style, um, and it, it it then got me thinking because I was I I I, I approached an, an anti-vaxer. <laughs> <laughs> this morning I saw a poster from an acquaintance of mine um, sharing some pseudo-scientific um, knowledge where it was <laughs> 60% known knowledge. So it's like the vaccines do. It was some lady, she was testifying at some court case, I don't know. Um, well, I watched the entire video though, just to get the, the story first and then formulate the response. So it was... She was arguing that the policies, government policies, or at least mandatory or mandating vaccines, are based on the assumption that the vaccines will stop transmission, which is false. Um, the mm. policies are being based on the fact that the vaccines dramatically reduce the fatality risk on a population level. So you have fewer people dying. Um, and that's like what governments are trying to protect against. like having fewer people die so it's like they don't care about how many people get infected it's about how many people die of the of the thing Um, and then the other thing was then she was conflating it with whooping cough which is caused by a bacteria and the vaccination for that and its ineffectiveness against like infections and she was like conflating the two so it's like okay cool Viruses and bacteria work in, like, fundamentally different ways. And then you start breaking down the argument from that perspective. So, like, it's always for me to listen to the entire story. Let the person tell absolutely what their truth is. And then respond to the parts that you know. But in humility as well, like I said, like, in my limited knowledge, this is what I know. But I've also done this work, which was copy editing this document, which yeah. formed part of this study, that was yeah. used by the MAC, um, Ministerial Advisory Committee, um, to say these things. So it was like that sort of systematic thing. So yeah, I, I that that's that's what I interpret this listening as.
1: Yeah, it was very interesting. I was watching. Um... A Korean drama um, TV series <clears throat> of a pathologist investigated um, deaths that were brought to him um, by the police. <coughs> that was that was criminally based on mm. assumption, and then he had to go through every part of the body with a fine comb. And did not stop until he found out. Now, whenever somebody made an assumption about, if you're saying that that is so, then therefore the assumption is um, the person died of this illness or that Mm. wound or whatever. And he would often say, stop writing novels. Mm. Now, how do uh, we have to live on facts? But now, are all facts fact checked? Are all assumed facts properly researched? Do we just take tidbits from whatever we think we read, but we have a point to justify? We have a stance. (laughs) So I need to justify why, I'm, why my stance is right. So if I take tidbits from all around, I'm able to say this. Let me give you an example that I encounter, particularly from people who, who, who are very well clued in religious cliches. Mm-hmm. People belonging to the Anglican church, right? They die. Now, some of the members of their family happen to be Pentecostal or Baptist or whatever it is. Then one of them, and this is the words, led that person to Jesus. Okay. Irrespective of the journey of that person, having gone to church, being part of a church community, having prayed on their own. Um, they now had this special thing where Pastor so-and-so or Mrs. so-and-so decided that that was the turning point for them. For them, that's the fact that it was the only time that that person was led to Jesus. Now, I don't want to fight about this in my sermons in a, in a funeral service when you hear it in a tribute or so on. Mm. But I remember battling with it in myself because I want to know, is it a fact that my dad, who led me to church to worship God, and whose example led me to pray, now needs a pastor to have led him to Jesus as if he was never led to Jesus through the prayers that he prayed, through the Bible that he read, through the worship that he gave. That didn't make him perfect. But why is it only in Pentecostal churches or those churches that believe the way that they lead people to Jesus is the right way, Mm -hmm. based on And it angers me. Because if I say to somebody, Can I pray with you? I am taking, and that person says, yes, please. I am praying to God in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit. I'm praying, hopefully, leading that person to the grace and mercy of God. But I'm acting by faith in that regard. I'm trusting that what Jesus said I can do in prayer, and I'm doing it in prayer without trying to hold him hostage but trusting that his will could be perfected in this person's life. Um, Not judging whether the person is a 10 when it comes to faith or whether the person is a 0.1 when it comes to faith. That's not my business. Mm. So Mm. now, as a fact, my mother was led to God by pastor so-and-so. That's not true.
2: Mm. Your mother Mm. was
1: led to God in every other way. But now because they want to claim a a perspective, a position, they use these kind of narratives, disregarding what God has already been doing in that person's life until that moment. And just because you said a prayer with a, why is your prayer more special than the prayer that I pray? Mm. This was said around my dad's death. A pastor went to visit him, and before he died, pastor so-and-so led him to the Lord Jesus. The week before, I prayed with my father, and in that prayer that I prayed with my father, we included the Lord's Prayer, which says, forgive us our our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Um, Lead me not into temptation. Um, Yoke the kingdom, the power and the glory, May, may that come over my life and in my context. Was that not leading my dad to Jesus as I'm trying to get close to Jesus? Why is the prayer that this pastor prayed now more special than my prayer? Now, I'm using that deliberately because that angers me when I hear it. There's an assumption Mm -hmm. there that is spread as truth because somebody will say, amen. For what? So this is my gripe within the Christian community. There's assumptions built in that only when certain people do certain things, then it's okay. Unless you come through me as the priest, then you haven't done it. Where (laughs) do you get that kind of nonsense from? Does Uh, God works in spite of me and because of me? Yeah. And if, if I'm not going to assist him when he wants to work because of me, he'll work in spite of me. That's a fact. So so I really have problems when people use fact. But they're building it on the shallow premise of fiction.
0: Mm. It's the problem with statistics in general. I was having this discussion with my father-in-law in in the week um, where... (laughs) must always be interrogated. Like when someone offers you a statistic, a fact that they have extracted from a piece of data, it's like you always need to think about what they are omitting. So now with with Women's Month coming to a close, um, there was the SAPS crime um, statistics report and there's been a 72% in the quarter of April to June. 2021, there's been a year on year, so quarter this quarter to last quarter, I mean, to 2020's um, April to June, 72% increase in reported rape cases. Wow. So now you think about it and you're like, okay, fine. We were in a hard lockdown for most of that period in 2020. But the narrative in 2020 was, that there was an increase in the rape cases then, and then the abuser is now known to the victim. So there was all that rhetoric going around. And now suddenly you have like a a almost what's this? A almost four fifths or at least three quarter increase in reported cases when people have more freedom of movement so then what does that say about the statistics we were throwing around last year and mm. then i'll I'll take it even to like a a silly a silly example where it is said that it takes 7 liters of water to make 1 liter of cow's milk but only 3 liters of water to make 1 liter of almond milk but then you like if you, it's not just the drinking water that they put into that equation, it's the watering of the pasture, um, irrigation of the pasture for the cow to feed on, plus the drinking water, plus, plus, plus. So the almond water is mainly in its production because almond milk is just ground-up almonds with milk added, I mean, with water added. Um, but if a cow drinks milk, I mean, water, an hour or two later, it's irrigating the pasture that it's it's feeding on, you know. So like the cows mm. in this system, mm. in, the, in the environment, whereas the almond is just using up the nutrients, and then you take it off, and then it creates more waste than anything else that you can't do anything with. So like the almond husks are actually being fed to the cows. Um, the almond tree can only produce almonds for so much, but it's still going to create like more waste and use up more water. So it's, it's, it's always about the data that is being omitted when people are, are speaking facts. So I, I like to fall upon facts to mm. just bring some objectivity to an argument, but mm. we must always be weary of the facts and why we are using it. it it's like a, It's like choosing
1: a specific arrow shoot with. (laughs) Mm. I I, I just wondered why the author was wise enough when thinking about this to write it down and why he put slow to speak and slow to anger as part of this whole call to listen and and how easily out of speaking anger can become a reality. Mm. What people say what people base their things on, where the facts are. So, for example, for me, so you say a 72% increase of violence happened against women. The fact is that one case reported should never have happened. Mm. So, that one case itself talks about the tragedy so we shouldn't be waiting for a stat that says 72. We should be dealing with this catastrophe, this pandemic of violence mm. that women are mm. doing, when that one victim begins to stand up and say, I am going to speak out to seek justice. But here's the question. In that scenario, in that reality, in that catastrophe, how many people around that woman listen? Mm. Because the very first thing that they that they do when she says I've been raped, I've been abused and vandalized, she's looked upon as the one who caused it. Mm. And so already judgment happens. And and where does this does this cause for justice? Why are women always the suspect when they are the victims in um in the violence action? So you know, when I look again at that um, definition or that particular message on empathy as the ladder uh, needed in the pool or in the, in the, in the hole of shame, our society cre- digs the holes and looks for the victims to throw in it. We do not mm-hmm. act from the point of empathy. We really seriously happen. And this is saying to us, unless you learn to listen to the full story, where the fact of fiction, listen to the full story and allow yourself to feel the emotions that it's bringing up to you. Even the whole thing, I mean, the excitement about how much water we use to make so many liters of milk, because that has its own system of justice, its own system that could say, well, because of so much there for the milk is now so expensive. Mm. So that means the poorer sector of our society is cut out. Mm. Simply because we have made up a, a set of, 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 of statistics and we are saying this proves why our price is what it is. Mm. But deeper, I mean, what w- w- is a poor person going to buy milk made from almonds? No. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? So, yeah. so, so my thing is this, again here, again, and then the other, the other thing about while well, this talks to a congregation that seems to have to deal with, with spiritual matters alongside all the other matters, how does a hungry person listen when we're not listening to what they are going through. So in other words, this guy is saying, Church, our first call as the community of Christ is to listen.
3: If we are not a listening community, of what use will it be when eventually we must speak that we actually speak? Mm yeah and it's it's that that lack of
0: empathy that causes the problem where you have like discrimination where where voices are 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 stifled because they are not being heard. they're not being the truths are not being recognized mm-hmm. as truths mm-hmm. and then there's like this weird thing that happens um, with this reading of James, where in that thing where he says in verse 21, where he's like, therefore rid yourself of everything sordid and of every wicked excess. And then in the gospel, which is according to Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 8, 14 to 15, and 20 to 20, 21 to 23, Jesus actually defines. A lot of things Uh, so the pharisees are trying to call out um, some of the apostles on like a technicality where they are eating they didn't wash their hands before they ate and jesus is like yo um, prophet isaiah warned of you homies um and you are hypocrites um what was it isaiah prophesies rightly about you hypocrites as it is written this People honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. And then he goes like, there is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft. Murder, adultery, yeah. a word that I cannot actually pronounce properly. <laughs> what it mean? Evidence. Evidence, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So controversial view, mm-hmm. we should allow more discussion about. The common humanity that we share and the evil that lurks within. I feel that that is the route to a lot of, quote, like solving a lot of problems in our society.
1: You know, Everest, I think, is greed. Ne? Yes. Mm. The greed for you wealth. Know, you know, this. that's why I think this conversation within a liturgical context is so crucial. It brings to our conversations what our conversations lack. It brings a truth-telling to our conversations that we do not want to to, to get involved with because we'll have to own up. We'll have to be open to to, to, to possible transformation. It. Coming from the lips of Jesus. I have already said to myself and preached about it. When Jesus said in John for four, for 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. I've said, linked that in conversation to when it says he embodied our humanity. He became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He lived with us. He knows what it means to be human." He, know, he knows what it means to be truly human. He knows what it means to be humanity in a broken state. Now, somebody, somebody realized, I think, I think he took it way back. All of these things that are within our hearts are things that causes us to die. That extracts living from us. So our behavior then becomes. We spew then death from our lips. And we bring death. With our hands. A a destructive death we bring. But when we listen like you're saying to a conversation that. Let's talk about our humanity. Mm. Let's talk about why some human beings do certain things and believe it's fine. I mean, why does the Taliban believe that anybody that doesn't agree with them, they must torture and or murder? Why does the Taliban believe, for example, that women are secondary citizens? But hold it, the Taliban not only believes that, others believe that in a very more slyish way. So they're not caught out like the Taliban is caught out. So you are right. We need a conversation about our humanity. We need to have a scriptural text like this, where it brings it straight out. What is really in our hearts? Mm. What's the Mm. core of our humanity? Particularly in its broken state. And what is possible when we are able to find healing, salvation and wholeness? What can it be brought towards? Again, going back to James, when he said that um, we, we welcome in all humility the word that is implanted in you and is able to save your soul be doers of the word and not just hearers only who only deceive themselves so whatever we hear that's spoken that is helpful that gives life must be the that message that we can that can help us to deal with the intentions mm-hmm. of fornication mm-hmm. theft murder and all the list there Um, and to admit that these things do exist. We all have the potential to do that list and more, but we need a conversation that is honest. But we're sitting with a problem um, way from the beginning times, that beautiful narrative where fruit was given and when they were found out as to what, as to why they ate the fruit. They couldn't even answer that question except to say, she gave it to me. The snake, and then the woman you gave me. So I'm not to blame for my own condition. Mm. Somebody Mm. else made me do it. Hansi Hansi Kronia's favorite words, the devil made me do it. And we, and we as a nation should have had it Truth and Reconciliation Commission around those words of Hansie.
0: Ooh, as it has come to light, (laughs) there were a few more things happening within the South African cricket team. (laughs) Right, um, that have now been uh, addressed uh, through uh, the Commission of Inquiry. All those racist things that are starting to come out. um, Wow how our, our, our people have suffered through a lot. but i i want to I, I want to frame it more like this. So just addressing this list that Jesus has, so fornication, adultery, licentiousness, like all in the same list. yeah, is already. If we look at those three, I think in a discussion here, we could come to an agreement that you know, they they're not that bad. Uh, I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate and just speaking my own truth here. So fornication is defined as um, sexual interaction without the bounds outside of the bounds of marriage. Um, so two people who are not married to each other fornicating. Um, why why are we why are we basing like judgments on um, something that is man made um, like? <laughs> Animals don't get married like we are the only people who attach something to like their marriage bond And it was within Christianity that it like gets entrenched like a lot more and in other cultures as well It's more to protect the feelings of the male because <laughs> the man can yeah. have as many women as he wants But day he or day a woman, you know act on her desires <laughs> Before marriage, then she gets like stoned and stuff.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: So then that like leads directly into adultery, <laughs> which is then a further breaking of this rule that we made up for ourselves. Um, and then licentiousness is like, you know, if somebody's going to have a kink and they find a partner who is totally open to that sort of thing. What happens in the bedroom, you know, stays in the bedroom. So like there already you start poking at what Jesus is saying here and you can already start breaking down. And then I I think that brings us to a place where we can speak a lot more truthfully about. Like sharing what is within you that is considered taboo, that is considered wicked and figuring out that most people are pretty, pretty freaky in their own right.
1: Look, I, I uh, because it is it is it has a secretive nature about it. Mm. Uh, nobody's going to just pontificate that you are that I am a fornicator or I'm an adulterer or I'm licentious. Yeah. Um, and because of its its secretive nature, it's already um, beginning to strike a question because you know in your heart. And when you do these things in uh, in that kind of way that it means you know it's not it's 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 it's, it's this and there's a part of it that's not really um and i don't i don't want to say it's except acceptable. it's a part of it that you know it's not right because you're hurting if people know you're doing this openly you will be hurting people in the process um Because I I often wondered if it was okay for adultery adultery to be okay. If it's okay that I sleep with one woman tonight and another tomorrow and another tomorrow, another tomorrow, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that that behavior is, is, you know, it ought to just be accepted because I'm just following my human nature. Why then are people hurt and broken? Because in the sexual action, you are, you come to your very primitive self.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: you at your most, you're at one of your most vulnerable areas. You are joining yourself to another human being. Even just with, A passionate kiss to somebody that doesn't happen to be your wife. Um, All of these things would lend itself to hurting somebody else. Now, I'm interested in the fact that you said it's all in one sentence. Yes, Jesus is showing just why we have to be careful. Because this thing is so serious, it's going to break people. It will hurt people. It will damage people. And so we've got to be particularly cautious on how responsible we are about our sexuality. Mm. And there's got to be a very serious level of honesty about it. It mm. mustn't be licentious. because we do know from licentiousness, we have children who don't have know their fathers.
3: Mm.
1: We have people ending mm. up in the law courts because they can't pay support money to their children and then are found out to have 20, 30 30 children by five or six different women. What is right about that? And then uh, in the whole cause of, of, of adulthood, and this is, we must be very careful that we don't, Underplay once and over against another because that's mm. what we do with sexual sins. We tend to make it more horrible than all the other sins. Sin is sin, mm. but it does. The, 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 we are not. We are animals with responsibility. We are animals with a conscience. We are animals with a with a kind of a dignity that is almost godlike. We are animals that are called to a lifestyle of integrity. Mm. We are called to the high standard of moral honesty. And if we must use the power of sex, because it is a power play. Mm. It's a power play all the way. Fornication and adultery and licentiousness is a power play. How is fornication
0: belong. if it's too consenting? adults who are not married fornicating who who does that
1: hurt themselves (laughs) if they consent if they consent to the act do they consent to what the act brings about you're establishing a relationship with this person Yes. Now, are you willing to build up on that relationship? Are you willing to grow that relationship? Because that person is more than just somebody you're going to have sex with. If all you can see, uh, fornication, licenses, and adultery objectifies a person solely as a sexual being.
0: Yeah, I'd say uh, adultery has a little bit more to it than that. Because, like, for me... Sure, it's,
3: sure, but, it's, but the other two I, does too.
0: Like, I'm married. <coughs> I have taken that decision to join my life with another person. And that responsibility is always on me because that's a decision that I took seriously enough to have it inked into law, you know. So then, like, should I break that? Trust relationship. Should I break that legal contract? Um, that 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 is then a crime and it's harmful, and it's a whole lot of other things. But I, I've always wondered why we have decided as a species, <laughs> that we should reserve certain acts to only happen within the bounds of that contract?
1: It, it's in the bounds of, 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 of dignity and integrity. It's in the boundaries of building community. It's, 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 it's in the boundaries of self-respect and therefore respect of the other. If I, I'm not an ape that when I see another ape that's female, populate just there in public for the few seconds and that is it. Because if you look at apes, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. We are human beings. When you think of the act, when you start that thought process, much more responsibility is attached to you if you're going to take it to the next step. Once you get into the act, there are also consequences. Now, are you willing to take that? When you use the word, it's two consenting adults. For me, that camouflages it. Because if you're consenting, you're also willing to be committing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I consent only to the act. When the act, act is so much more than just the act itself. It's far more than just reaching climax for two seconds and that's it. You are Joining yourself to another human being with dignity and integrity in respect. If you only in the business of fornication and licentiousness, you objectifying yourself and that person. You are denigrating this act to just an act. But that, adults that are allowed that
0: to make, that's what adults are allowed to make those decisions
1: we can make decisions but that doesn't mean that making consensual consensual decisions comes without the importance of 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 committing but then, if we like, want to be consensual we must be prepared to then also get to the commitment part why only are we consensual and to what are we consensual just to the act but we can't
0: <laughs> we can't lord this over people or at least yeah hold it oh like Sometimes, so consent to me means the consent and the respecting of the other person's wishes. So it's like it's the being safe. It's making responsible decisions. So it's like using a condom, using contraceptive measures, making sure a person at risk because they are only consenting into the actual act of of. Making happiness. Um, but it's important that we suffer because in verse seven that the vain in vain they do worship me, teaching human presets as doctrines. So if it's our natural state to have this lustful desire, and it is actually an unnatural state. To be in a legal contract, like if you take natural as being from the earth, as nature intended, as we came onto this planet or we came into this world without any manufactured systems, societal systems around us. Marriage is then, in fact, an unnatural state. It's a human precept that we are teaching as Doctor,
1: No, I think what we're doing is we're putting our words into writing to affirm our commitment. I'm giving you my word to such an extent that you can go back to it and I can't retract what my word is unless I want to break up this relationship. Mm -hmm. So the piece of paper people argue with is nothing, nothing else than the word you said when mm. you wanted to enter into this relationship with you, with that with your partner. All you are saying is that <clears throat> the word that I'm making with you is covenantal I want I want you to see the level of my commitment. Mm. So I covenant <clears throat> with you in this regard. I want to be responsible to the word that I'm making. Giving to you now the guarantee that I will love you, that I will respect you and honor you, um, and and the capacity that God has created me with to be able to love one person in that particular kind of way, with respect and honor and, and all of that. I think we we grab where human precepts is exactly what you were saying.
3: Our desires.
1: That we want to doctrinize. So you're using a human precept of desire and you're saying it's now consensual. That's doctrinizing the desire. To justify the to have the desire is okay. You don't have to take it any more further than that. You've had the desire, you explore the desire, you can move on to somebody else and have the desire with them. That's unnatural for a human being to do. Because I with find. consensus, with cons, con, consensual comes commitment as far as I'm concerned because there's a consequences when two human beings are joined to each other in a consensual manner.
0: Yes, you must commit to, to, to the consequences. So then I, I'd
1: say. So that's my point. So now when we say, "Ah, oh, but it's just two consensual human beings having this act out and that's it. Then you're doctrinizing what is that human precept that I've got a desire. And you said something very interesting. We all have desires. You said lustful desires. Mm. So if you're exploring lustful desires, uh, what, what, is, what is that particular aspect saying about our desires?
3: It I can have it just desire, I, can,
1: I can have a desire, but when it becomes lustful, what happens then? What nature does lust does the desire take on when it becomes lustful?
0: Yeah, that's why I was qualifying because I was speaking about the specific thing. Uh, but if, 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 if I can say uh, if I if I had to edit down the sentence, like <laughs> edited in the past, you could only leave. Theft, murder, deceit, envy, slander, pride, and folly. so if if I if I understand correctly, and i'm'm I'm, I'm making some assumptions about what you were saying, where you you made a point of discussing dignity within the concept of fornication. So for me, the only way that a consenting, like either of the consenting adults who are engaging in fornication, can lose their dignity is if one of the parties slanders the other one out of pride. Um, adultery, is a <laughs> adultery is a a a sin of deceit and envy. Um, and then all of this is done in folly. So I I'd, I I'd I'd distill it down to like those things, um, without calling out the semantics of, you know, c- copulation.
1: So in other words, what you're saying is all of these things have a purpose of connection to each other. Uh, yes, and then I think somebody
0: I I I'm I'm going to say categorically that I think the fornication, adultery, and licentiousness was added afterwards. I do not believe that someone like Jesus having the knowledge that he has and in keeping with all of the other things that he says and the arguments that he makes throughout what is recorded um, I don't think that he would have said that as being the evil's
1: From within the human heart. So. So the one who embraced. Our humanity. The one who. Totally understands what it means. To be human in its broken state. Which led to death. And. The possibility of being human. In as a new creation.
2: Mm.
1: As God intended us to be. Um, would, Would Jesus. Have thought that fornication is not an intention in the human heart;
3: that no, adultery he would not be
1: present there. Yes, that we would not want to exploit sexual desires within ourselves. But Jesus was was very economical with
0: these words. And if you're using deceit, envy, slander, pride, folly. And those are the roots of adultery. Well, adultery mainly, because I see no problem with fornication. Um and he was also quite empathetic to uh, fornication, um saving the woman from from the stoning, all those sorts of things. So like he was stating adultery,
1: not fornication. because <laughs> he was um, a married man, according to that statement. Yeah, she's a woman caught in adultery. One of them was married. Yes, yes,
0: yes. That is true.
1: Um,
0: and he himself is a is a child of like God didn't marry. This is the other thing. God didn't marry Mary. You know what happened
1: there. But that doesn't mean we don't have within us the sense of that he didn't have within him the sense of what it means to be a human being with sexual desires. With sexual intentions,
0: yeah, that's why I I don't sexuality. think you would have
1: you would have the words would have left his mouth to pass. Absolute I think it judgment. It would. I think that. it would because he embraced our full humanity. All of that was within us. All of that was within him as a full human being. That's why he could speak to it. That's why he could un- You know, the whole thing about this is, maybe you're right. Does folly help us understand? The silliness of fornication, licentiousness, and adultery. Is adultery, fornication, and licentiousness based on my pride? Is it an expression of my pride? Well, whatever it is, fornication is there, the intention, the possibility to be fornicated, the possibility to be an adultery. I think the, the thing that the Our Father says is classic to this, lead me not into temptation.
3: So in other words, within me is the possibility of me exploring temptation when it raises head in front of me.
1: This stares me in the face every day, as it stares every human being in the face. The possibility that I could find another woman attractive. And then what am I going to do with that attraction? Am I going to act on it? Will I respect it? Will I thank God that I'm married to an attractive person myself and I've made a commitment and therefore I do not need to be the hunter in this case? Mm. Um, I I want to just share a story with you when it comes to this. I went to do an internship in America, and one of the areas of consultation that I went into was trying to understand the the, the you know the human sexuality when we when when people have discovered that they are gay or homosexual or lesbian, all the words that the with that. To try and understand, you know. Is it just black and white where it's mas- uh, heterosexuality and that's it? You know, does our words just keep it to that? And so, therefore, anything outside of heterosexuality is a sin because that's how we've operated for all the time. We, we, we never dared to think and wanted to think that being human is a mystery. We really don't know mm-hmm. everything about what it means to be human because we don't even know ourselves. We can mm-hmm. we learn. <clears throat> St. Paul said, pardon me, in Corinthians, we see in the mirror dimly. Now we only know in part. So to assume we know everything, to, see, to, to assume we've seen everything, is, is an illusion. No, no, it's a delusion. So I had said to one of the guys who asked me, so when I came out of the closet at one of these meetings, trying to understand whether I'm sitting there with my my wedding ring on, and he asked me this question, and I said, well, I'm married, I've got two, two daughters, uh, but I said to him, somebody gave me, a, when I went to the shop to buy a meal, uh, somebody gave me a, 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 a cassette that had a man with abs on it. Mm. And I showed this to one of the guys in that program who was gay, and he got all excited about this man with abs. Mm. And when I raised this with him, he said, is the, is, is the masculine body then so unattractive that you won't find it attractive? I had to explore very seriously what attraction meant. Mm. I had to go back to when I was... Five, six, seven years old, sitting in the Athlon Biscope, watching um, Westerns. Mm -hmm. Being attracted to the hero of the story. I was attracted because as soon as the movie was finished and I came out, I wanted to be that person. Mm. That's how deep the attraction became. But of course, who teaches us about attraction and what you're supposed to do to do with it? when Mm. do you follow attraction when do you say i'm mature enough to say no
2: Mm.
1: and i I had to realize and i could speak to my wife and my daughters about i said people are attractive for various reasons Mm. i'm attracted to you lindsay because we get on so well in being different in the way we think our different perspectives uh we're able to talk for more than an hour Um, to to find each other's mind about things. And at the same time, it's stimulating. It it, it helps me to think even deeper. So I'm attracted by the way you think about things, the way that you speak about things. I may not be in agreement with all of them, Mm -hmm. but it certainly Mm -hmm. helps me to think about things deeply and for me to share So I have to think very clearly about this. So that experience made me understand a little bit that I had to dig deep into myself to find out that human beings are genetically attractive. We make eye contact with almost everybody we see or may not see.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But we must be, and here is where the folly and the wise come in. We're not left without wisdom to consider. What is this attraction all about and why am I now so hyped up? To want to follow this attraction. And for what reason? So before I get to the stage of fornication. Or adultery or licentiousness. God has given me a process to think about it. Before I become consensual. Or before I begin to say no. This is going to lead to nowhere. It will be a, it will be a, a debt in my life rather than of a benefit to me. So before the act, I have a process to think about. If I discard that process, then I will end up doing senseless, thoughtless, Mm. consensual Mm. actions. And what kind of world am I creating when I do that? Will I be trustworthy? Because the person could walk away from a from a fornicating situation and say if that's what is if that's what this is all about and I don't want it. Mm. Somebody can walk away from a licentious situation broken and hurt because all that they thought sex was never really happened because there was no wisdom in it. And the same with adultery and all the other stuff that Jesus is about greed, for example. Mm. So, so I, don't, I think maybe folly is a very good way to look at this and say, because Jesus knew the whole of the intentions of human, that's in the human heart, the potential in the human heart. He could address this, but he said that if the human heart lacks, lacked wisdom, it would mm. end up making foolish decisions and caught out in foolish and destructive actions. Mm. Going back, therefore, to James,
3: what is this word that has been implanted in us Mm. that is able to save?
1: Because often, with fornication, adultery, and licentiousness, we are prompted by words,
3: Mm. we are prompted by others. Experience, and we act
1: sometimes on those words because we also long for that experience.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm fully with you. Like I, <clears throat> I, I always say that I don't believe um, that any um, high school sweetheart relationship can mature into marriage and go on um, have any long term potential or at least they are always destined to fail in my mind because what happens when you meet another person that has all of the qualities that you find attractive and that person finds you attractive as well like you only learn those things after like once, once you learn who you are as an adult First, like I, I have a specific type that I find attractive. My wife embodies all of that. And I remember my first time that I went to Spain and I saw a country populated with all the grades within the attractive type that i have and that's when i realized or at least I, I knew before then but then i realized like attraction is not enough and it's like love is not enough to like base a marriage on it's it's all of the other things that you decide to remain committed to and if i'm i dare say it ministering <laughs> to younger uh, men. because well, I mean men we we are foolish people. we are easily distracted. We are uh, <laughs> We lie to ourselves a lot. um uh, we are we are very deceitful to ourselves. Um, and then, like, it's always it's always that thing of if somebody cheats on their girlfriend or their wife or whatever, and they like, Oh no, it was just the one moment. And it's like, no, dude, well, you think that is the last attractive person that's going to find you attractive? Like in your entire life. You really think that, you know, like it's going to happen again and how are you going to approach it then?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's, it's yeah, you have to you have to make it more than that. And yeah, and, and, and I think I'll close on on, that, on those words
1: comes down again to what word has been implanted in you. What's the narrative that you have on the inside and what is informing that narrative? Because that's what we're speaking to today. We're speaking to the inner narrative around the things that Jesus and John had and then James had spoken about. And uh, I believe that Jesus's words, the words of Scripture, is a very powerful and meaningful, necessary source of inner conversation, inner dialogue. Mm. Because we act on the inner words and inner messages that we formulated in there. And sometimes those inner messages are not based on wisdom, but on folly, misinformation and lies, Mm. denialisms. And so we act out and see that it ends up with that um, sticker on it. So thank you, Lindsay, for 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 this conversation. I hope that people found it very really helpful. Um and to really buy buy into it to to the invitation that Lindsay sent. Come and speak about it. Maybe Lindsay and I got it totally wrong. Your mm. voice is then needed on this um, exploration of faith and I value you daring to come and share with us because we're placing ourselves at risk Lindsay and I <laughs> ourselves uh, in this process but we're doing it so that we can create a platform of conversation around the exploration of faith um, yeah, I, I,
0: think I think it's quite funny I think it's <laughs> quite funny that we've, we've managed to make the last um, show for or Women's Month, all about um, the male perspective. <laughs> Why are <you> telling me? <laughs> but thank you, Father. This, this has been quite stimulating. And if you could please extract a few brief um, points of reflection from the praise of the church, thank you. This has been wonderful.
1: So, Lord, it is very interesting that we call out to you as the God of purity in our prayers this week. O God of purity, we ask you to look into the depths of all hearts. And even remove from our church any form of corruption of evil intent as we honor your name so we may as so we may pray live to, to your praise. God of purity, when we look into our politics, we see how
3: corruption and greed and
1: Ego controls it. We pray that you may work so that our nations are kept from oppression and violence and that nothing take precedence over respect of life. God of purity, you see our desires and emotional blindness. Keep us from covetedness and deception. May fidelity and self-restraint be treasured and prevail. God of purity, you see the pains of the world, whether public or secret. Keep your people from despair and despondency. May all who call on you know the consolation of your love. And so we call on you as we struggle through the, the realities of COVID and its devastating impact on individuals' lives, and on family life and community and the world. So we call on you, author of life, saviour of the nations. COVID is very humbling, but your grace is sufficient. There are many deaths and we mourn them. For those who've recovered, we give thanks. For the tremendous compassionate care in hospitals and homes, we applaud. For the blessing of vaccines, we are grateful.
3: For the spirit of compliancy, we pray.
1: For the common good, we plead. This in the the healing name of Jesus, we ask. And so we ask the God of purity. You see the sorrow and distress of all who grieve. In this moment, Lord, many are grieving. Please keep hold of your beloved at the hour of our death. We think of Mary Smith and Wilfred Taylor and Reggie, who died
3: this past week, and others.
1: May we rise with you in glory. We ask that you may teach us how to live the virtues of the Christian life. And to manifest them in new ways in our contemporary society, and for the schools, Lord, which we have spoken about earlier, the infections, the COVID infections, we pray that you may protect our students and and our learners and staff from the COVID virus, from violence and bullying and help all to grow in knowledge and self-awareness. Lord, bless those who will be celebrating their birthdays and wedding anniversaries this week with your blessings of love and grace and protection and joy.
3: We also pray into the context,
1: Lord, of gender-based violence. Lord, in Christ, you call us to, to be your love. Yet amongst us are the wounded of violence as well as the offenders. Please refresh the injured with your love for healing and bring the offender to senses, repentance and restorative justice. And then as our democracy and constitution is being challenged, you are a liberator. Listen to your children. The children of this nation who sacrifice so much to achieve with your help our democracy and constitution. How pleased that we may protect them, you may protect them from the for the benefit of unity, equity, justice, and peace, and for the good of all. And so, friends, in conclusion of this podcast and platform for worship, we announce God's blessings for over you. Go out and be doers of the word. Cleanse your hearts of all pollution. Be quick to listen and learn. Welcome the word that God implants in you and bring it to birth in acts of righteousness and compassion. And may God pour grace upon you and bless you forever. May Christ Jesus reveal to you the truth of God's ways and may the Holy Spirit fill your life with passion and love. Amazingly, we will end our worship tomorrow on this beautiful hymn. And you can go look up the words, stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Lindsay, thank you very much. Thank you all for tuning in. Love from all of us. Keep safe.